This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the Academy Show podcast. My name is Paul Wheelock and for our latest look at Liverpool's under-18, under-23 and women teams, I am joined by our Liverpool FC correspondent James Pearce. We start by talking the under-18s. The thrilling derby victory over Everton last Thursday had extended their winning run in Premier League competitions to eight matches. The players who were standing out for Barry Luters' side. The importance of the UEFA Youth League, which will see the young Reds head to Serbia along with the first team tomorrow morning for a match with Red Star on Tuesday afternoon. And the job being done by the man who was chosen to fill Steven Gerrard's sizeable boots. We'll also touch on the under-23s, who made an immediate return to winning ways on Saturday with a 3-1 victory at home to Leicester, and the future of one of the goal scorers, first-team striker Dominic Solanke. And the podcast rounds off with a chat about new Liverpool FC women manager Vicky Jepsen, whose side lost 3-0 to high-flying Manchester City earlier this afternoon. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, hi James, hope you're well. Uh, there's no rest for the Liverpool first team or for you. Are you off to Belgrade in the morning? I am, yeah. Yeah, just back from London. And then, uh, yeah, the, uh, doing a Sunday shift. And then, yeah, got off to Manchester Airport, four o'clock Monday morning. Um, and, yeah, via Belgrade, via Frankfurt. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> quick turnaround. And then, um, yeah, looking forward to what will be a, certainly a, a lively atmosphere in uh, the Serbian capital on Tuesday night. I know from speaking to the, the Serbian reporters when they were at Anfield a couple of weeks ago that they said uh, it's going to be pretty crazy over there and, and they've waited 26 years to be back amongst Europe's elite and especially with their fans you know, being denied the chance to go to Paris or Anfield in big numbers because of that UEFA ban. Um, you know, it's, their home matches sold out incredibly quickly and uh, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a pretty hostile environment that Liverpool will walk into. Yeah, you'll be there at night, obviously, for the main game, the 1st team game, but the under-19s uh, will be playing earlier in the afternoon. I don't know if you'll get a chance to go and watch that game, uh, and I, I take it most of the team will be made up of Barry Lucas's under-18s, who, who will go into the match on the back of a, a mini-derby win over Everton last Thursday. It was 4-3, it was you were there, was it as good as it sounds? It was, yeah, yeah, it was uh, a cracking game, yeah, and obviously top-of-the-table clash in the, in the under-18 Premier League and um, yeah, it certainly lived, lived up to its billing. Um, I think probably the scoreline overall flattered Everton a little bit. Liverpool should really have, have been out of sight in the first half. They got off to an absolutely dream start with Bobby Duncan heading home inside two minutes and um, a lot of chances went begging then and uh, Adedoyan equalised for Everton you know, very much against the run of play and 1-1 at half time. You know, it would have been easy for for Barry Luther's players to feel a bit deflated but um, came out after half time you know, and, and scored twice in quick succession you know, really nice finish from Paul Glatzel and then uh, you know, a stunning free kick from Leighton Clarkson who was probably the, the, the pick on the night actually and then you know, credit to Everton you know, they, they came back into it they did pose a threat on the counter uh, Adedoyan and, and Kieran Phillips made it 3-3 um, but you know, I, think, I think it was the fourth time this season that uh, Lutus' side have, have scored a, a winner in the, in the last minute and I think you know they uh, they do keep plugging away and they got their reward it was a you know, great ball in from, from Clarkson from a, a free kick and substitute Jack Byrne just got across the near post to, to glance one in and uh, yeah I think uh, you know although it was only what they call the mini mini derby <laughs> yeah. it was uh, it, um, it, you could see it still meant a huge amount to, uh, to, to Liverpool's players because uh, you know most of 
important thing was that they're now only a point behind Everton uh, with a game in hand, so they're in a, a fantastic position. You, you mentioned Clarkson there, and I've, I've noticed his name popping up quite a few times this season. What kind of player he is? Where does he play? Yeah, well, he's, he's an interesting, interesting midfielder. He, um, he's been at, been at the club a long time. I was speaking to, to Barry Lutus about him um, last week, and you know, he was he was saying, you know, he's he's such a good pass through the ball and so comfortable in possession that um, that he said, you know, he, he could he can play in an advanced central midfield role. But he, he, this season they've been trying to work on him taking on more defensive responsibilities, playing in the holding role, and, and trying to dictate and proceedings and control games and yeah he certainly did that against Everton with his his passing um you know he's been at the academy since he was under 10s I think he was from uh Clitheroe, I think it is originally he was on Blackburn's books um prior to coming to Liverpool's academy um and uh yeah he's, he's certainly you know been one of the most consistent performers for uh Lutus's side so far this season Glatzel and Duncan scored again. They they're on the score sheet most weeks. They seem to have struck up a real partnership. They do, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's those two. You know, seem to dovetail really well. I thought that's really the best I've seen Bobby Duncan play for Liverpool. Um, you know, he's a he's a real fox in the box in terms of you know he's a great finisher. But I think that in terms of his all round performance, that was as good as I've seen from him in terms of holding the ball up and bringing teammates into play. Um, yeah, and, and Glatzel. Uh, go from strength to strength as well. I think um, you know, they were helped both of them by also how good the two fullbacks were because um, you know Kajani Hoover on uh, on on the right hand side. You know, he's only 16. The kid Liverpool signed for Ajax this summer. You know, a lot of excitement about him. Um, uh, he was he was really impressive. And I know speaking to Barry Lutus afterwards, he was. I think he said one of the one of the reasons he was so chuffed about Jack Burns' late winner was that it meant that. Um, Hoover's back pass, which which enabled yeah. Everton to make it three three, didn't didn't prove uh, costly because he said you know Hoover was that good, you know apart from that one mistake. Well, I think even the mistake, I thought the keeper was a bit slow to come off his line and, and deal with it. Um, you know, he said it would have been cruel if that had, if that had ended up costing them. Um, and then on the other the other flank, you know, last, uh, Yasser Larucci, um, you know, he, again not someone I've seen a huge amount of actually. You know, he joined Liverpool last season. Um, but you know he was essentially a winger that they've they're, they're turning into a into a left back. Um, and signed him from Le Havre. Um, I think I think he I think his debut was delayed last season because of the paperwork issues and international clearance and all the rest of it. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a really exciting talent as well. So quick, um, he caused Everton a lot of problems down that side with um, just how. Yeah, Direct and, and you know just he asked, kept on asking questions of him and um, you know and I think you know a couple of the goals came from occasions when he was he was hacked down and yeah when those, those two down the flanks gave gave Liverpool a, a, a real new dimension on the night. Stuff. Just a word about the coach, Barry Lutus. It's well documented how good a job Stephen Gerrard did last season at the academy in the under-18s. But Barry seems to be uh, continuing in that good work on a great winning winning run the team. Yeah, he certainly is. Yeah, I think I think you're right. There's some massive boots to fill um, coming in for, for Stephen Gerrard. I think um, you know. Yeah, I think Barry would be the first to admit. Probably the, the crowds aren't quite so big for games <laughs> this season. There's not quite so many autograph hunters and people after selfies. Um, you know, he's a very understated fella. Um, you know, come up through the ranks. Um, but you can, you know, I think he's shown why 
Alex Inglethorpe placed so much faith in him because you know, Liverpool said at the time that they'd looked far and wide for a replacement for Gerrard and Alex Inglethorpe decided that the best man for the job was, was already at the club right under their noses. He'd worked in the lower age groups and you know, certainly with the quality of football we've seen from them so far, you can you can see why because um, you know what they now point off in the league with a game in hand, um, playing some fantastic stuff, and also top of their UEFA Youth League group. Um, and yeah, you know he's got some he's got some great talent there that he's that he's able to to work with. Um, and it, it's yeah, but you know you still got to get the best out of them. And certainly Barry Lutus has uh, has enjoyed a, a fine start to his reign as under 18s boss. You mentioned the UEFA Youth League there. Obviously, it's Red Star away on Tuesday, as we as we said at the top of this podcast. It is an important competition for clubs like Liverpool. You know, big clubs playing on a, it's, it is a big stage for for European youth football. This isn't it? Yeah, well, I think sp- speaking to the players and staff, I think the, the, the big thing for them is that this it almost prepares young players for for you know what they can expect if they do realise their dreams and and make that leap to Melwood because you know they get to travel with the first team it's very similar in terms of you know they'll they'll train at the stadium the night before the game um you know it's 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 just completely out of their comfort zone isn't it i think you know you, you i was over in naples for the their last away game in this competition and um you know it was a world away from what these young players are used to because you know the pitch was absolutely atrocious it was you know, a horrendous artificial surface the ball bouncing all over the place there was you know a pretty lively hostile <laughs> crowd there as well um you know some horrendous refereeing you know they, they got cost they, what cost them victory that day was you know the fact that Napoli decided they were going to play with two different balls <laughs> at the last minute I mean it, yeah you know probably experiences you don't necessarily want to go through but I think it is all part of the learning curve for them and it's certainly very different to the kind of maybe the pampered side of of the under-18 Premier League and the, the pristine pitches and, and all the rest of it. And I think, you know, certainly a trip to Belgrade will, will, will be a, another big experience for them. Um, but yeah, and, and I think on the field as well, you get to play against, you know, different different types of teams, di- different formations, different styles, um, which I think all helps the development of young players. I mean, Liverpool had a great run in the competition last season. Um I think it ended on penalties, and I think against Manchester City in the quarterfinals, yeah. and um, and you kind of you look at the, the talent they've got, you know, and obviously with it, with it being an under nineteen competition, it means that you know obviously people like uh, Bobby Adekanye and Curtis Jones, who have kind of you know have obviously moved on from the eighteens, they, they 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 get to be involved in this competition too, and yeah, Liverpool must have a genuinely you know a genuine decent chances of going all the way in it this season. Um, you know, they, uh, they should really have absolutely battered Red Star at St Helens a couple of weeks ago. I was at that game. And it, was, it, was, it was ridiculous. I think they had 30, 32, 33 attempts on goal. And it was, uh, they seemed to be finding ever more strange ways to miss chances. And then found themselves 1-0 down ridiculously against the, the run of play. But uh, kept going and going. And, um, you know, a great equaliser curled home by Camacho and then Reese Williams nodding home the winner in, in stoppage time so I think you know, if you were being ultra critical of them so far you'd say probably the only thing that has been lacking is a, is a, a lack of a ruthless streak because um, they're probably making games a, bit, a little bit more difficult for themselves than they should be 
Just a quick word on the under-23s. Uh, they got back to winning ways on Saturday with a 3-1 home victory over Leicester. Uh, I know you were busy covering the first team away at Arsenal, but you know there was some talking points. Dominic Solanke back on the score sheets. and I know you've done a piece today, and Neil Critchley, the manager, seemed pretty pleased with what he saw. He did, yeah. And obviously been a really frustrating start to the season for Solanke when you think back to a year ago. and Obviously, he was you know, a bit of a go-to man for Klopp off the bench in, in Premier League games. 27 appearances over the course of the season. Of course, he made his full England debut as well. You know, now he, he finds himself a you know a long way down the pecking order. And uh, you know, on a, on a day when obviously Liverpool were walking out of the Emirates, he was playing in front of a you know a very small crowd at the academy against Leicester in Premier Two. But you know, to his credit, um, you know, it, it certainly sounds like he uh, he put in a, a decent shift. Yeah, Critchley, you know, he said he, he led the line brilliantly for them, made a big contribution and, and deserved his goal and uh, you know, Matty Virtue um, got one as well, Isaac Christie Davis who only, I think he scored his first goal for the club at the uh, the academy a couple of weeks ago against Derby I was there for that one and so you know, good to see him follow up quickly with, an, with another one and um, yeah in general you know, a decent a decent win for Critchley's side who have endured a, you know, a, a difficult start to the season I think you know, where, where in the first half of last season he had quite a settled core of that team um, you know I think just the way things have worked out with some of their best players going out on loan he hasn't got that this time around which has meant that there's you know they, they have struggled for results but you know that was a decent response to a, a poor defeat at, at Blackburn on Monday night do you think with Solanke you mentioned players going out on loan if it's a similar situation which it's looking like it well could well be by we get to January do you think that could be an option for him yeah, I think it will be. I think the, probably the awkward thing will be, you know, you, uh, because you know, there's no doubt that Klopp still believes in Solanke, and you know he's he's only 21. You know, there's, he's uh, he's got a lot. He's got a, he's got a lot of time uh, ahead. But the, the only thing that makes me think whether Klopp might have to think twice about loaning him out would be if, if he does sell Origi, because um, you know obviously Divock Origi, Liverpool are open to offers for him. Um, and and you, you, I, I just don't. Although obviously neither of them have really had a look in so far, I, I'm not sure you could offload both of those in January. Um, and obviously, Origi would be one that Liverpool would be looking to offload permanently for around 20 million. And if you know if they did get an offer of around that, you know, you'd imagine that he would be the one to go. And Solanke may well be kept on as backup. But yeah, certainly if you were looking at it in isolation. Then Solanke desperately needs a loan because um, you know, he, 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 the fact of the matter is, it's, at the moment, it's difficult to see him getting a look in in club side. He, he is only there as backup, and um, you know, it's, it, he's not really benefiting, I would say, from from, from playing for the, the 23s. You know, he, I think he needs to test himself at a, at a higher level. So, um, yeah, I, I, wonder, I just wonder. He, he might end up because you know, the, obviously, the other side of it is. No suitable offers do come in for Origi in January and, and Klopp opts to keep him to the summer and, and, and maybe Solanke is able to get that experience elsewhere. But um, yeah, for, for Solanke at the moment, it's just a case of keeping the faith in it and staying patient because um, you know, things can change quickly. 
Very much so. Just a final one before I let you go, mate. Yeah, Liverpool FC women playing as we're speaking now against Manchester City. We will have the results on this podcast. Probably have said it before we actually uh, were speaking in the pre-recorded bit. But Vicky Jepson's been named as the permanent manager of the team following Neil Redfern's departure. You did a really good article with her late last week. It, it seems like she's she's worked through the ranks to get to this position. She seems like she's a really good fit for the for the team and the club. Yeah, she certainly is. Yeah, it was good to have a have a chat with her. Yeah, she's been a, been a you know an excellent servant to, to Liverpool FC women. Have you know, been been part of the setup since two thousand and nine, and really worked her way up the ranks from you know initially starting off with the under elevens. And yeah, she was saying that there's girls in the first team squad now who she coached at the age of eight, and you know, she's been part of their journey all the way through. Um, you know, was the the, the the boss of the development squad in the twenty ones for five years. You know, devoted a lot of time to working for the LFC Foundation um, and inc- increasing kind of uh, participation in girls' football at grassroots level. Um, and then obviously when Neil Redfern took over in the in the summer, she became his assistant. And then when, it, when you know, he obviously he didn't hang around too long, no. so he was gone. Uh, and her and Chris Kirkland kind of took the reins on a on a temporary basis. And um, you know, c- clearly, you know, Liverpool saw enough in that kind of five or six week period. To decide that she was the uh, the best person for the job, and you know, I know although Chris Kirkland's gone back to being goalkeeper coach, she was you know, very complimentary in terms of what a great pillar of support he is. You know, obviously someone with vast experience, um, and yeah, I think you know when you look at it, you know, they they had those back to back wins over Yeovil and, and West Ham prior to a narrow defeat to Chelsea, which I think probably just transformed the mood a little bit because I think you know having had a tough start to the season and then Redfern um, quitting you know I think you, you, you kind of feared for them in terms of God you know is it going to be just a, a massive season of struggle but the fact you know they have had some decent results performances have picked up you know the players have clearly responded to Vicky Jepson coming in um, and that all bodes well for the season ahead Cheers James enjoy Belgrade if you can certainly get out there with a win and we'll catch up here later this week Will do Cheers Paul You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.